This is for the nerds, this is for the brainiacs, this is what we deserve. Go ahead and play it, I know it, I know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Salt for Why vlogcast. This is episode number 27. I'm joined, as always, by my wonderful co-host, who I stole the intro from, Christian Soto. He's going to give you the rundown of today's show from uh, seemingly a gym in New Jersey. It's always a gym in New Jersey. We are brought to you by Bitcoin, the world's ninth most, ninth most valuable asset we're climbing fast. We finally found a sponsor. We're going to be millionaires, and we're going to have the Bitcoin logo right where the Google logo should be. Google, you could kick rocks. We're here now. Is it true but, that you're the eighth most valuable asset on, on the planet? Yeah, it depends who you ask. It depends what girl you're talking to at the right time. I don't know. I'm not sure. You know, I don't want to I don't want to hype myself up. You got to put yourself down a little bit and then let other people bring you up. Uh-huh. But I'm happy to see you, man. I feel like uh, it's been a full ten hours since I saw you last yeah. at a, on a on a stream. Today I got today I got a massage. It was it was really nice. And uh, the lady, however, I think she had a little bit of like like a butt fetish, you know? <laughs> like, 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 like it was a two hour massage, but I think was, she spent an hour on my butt. Like, <laughs> So hold up, hold up, hold up. When when uh, you are not interested in a woman, she's a lady. When you are interested in a woman, we talk about the shorties and the girls and, and the trulies. You're learning the language. Okay. Bro. You're learning quick. <laughs> okay. You learn quick. I like that about you. Uh, I actually got a massage two days ago as well, and it was quite the experience. So it was called a forehand massage and not yeah, like... Yeah forehand like four no, i get it okay yeah so uh first of all awesome uh can't recommend it enough you get like twice the work done in half the time which is glorious because i don't like sitting through a two-hour massage um but secondly it was quite entertaining to me because you know you're face down the whole time so i played a game with myself of trying to guess which masseuse was on which side of the table at all times <laughs> I think by the end I like really had it nailed down. That's uh that's really cool, man. There's a lot of stuff that happens. Uh, it's been a busy week uh, in terms of news, both good and bad. But let's start with our new WSOP main event champion, the world champion. Not really sure if he's like the 2020 champion or the 2021 champion. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, man. He's the world champion. His name is Damian Salas. He flew all the way from Europe to come here. Battle heads up, win the million dollar free roll, brought his shorty, and he's ready to go. His shorty kind of looked like Jamie Christopher, though. I got to watch out. <laughs> I he saw did. It. Like, pull, pull, pull it back. Pull it back for you to see it. I think that's a little bit. I mean, I don't know, man. Anyway. <laughs> I'm not touching this. I'm not touching this. Um, yeah, congratulations to Damien. He uh, is, is quite the seasoned player. I don't know if you saw Pads put out a tweet like congratulating him a couple days ago. And he was uh, basically highlighting that uh, Damien's a grinder, like hasn't missed a mm-hmm. Sunday in like 13 years or something of that nature. Um, I guess like right after he won the the Kings final table, Pad said that like he was there playing the 1K high roller on party uh, that, that following Sunday. So like he just never skips a beat. Obviously he has main event final table experience prior um his biggest lifetime score prior to this was 1.4 i think wait so he won the he won the king's main event and then played the a 1k the net like right away yeah yeah it was just like okay. right back I mean, on the grind it's one it, it's it's 1800 gambler in america <laughs> i'm not sure what it is in europe but this guy has a little bit of problems like if i'm sitting Bro, there with final millions, tape with it i get it man like i'm just saying like I don't know if I could do that. I mean, hey, some people some people invest in Bitcoin. Some people put in a, a long Sunday grind. You know, it's uh, it's all about the returns. Oh man, some some you know, you gotta enjoy your life too. You know, like what are you what are you what are you playing for at the end of the day? You know, everybody is on this new shit, right? It's like, oh, if I push the rock up the mountain and it gets to the top of the mountain, I push it down myself. It's like, all right, bro, I get it. You won the fucking Kings, and then you wanted to play on Sunday to final table again. Fucking syphilis over there, or whatever the fuck his name is. 
Christ. <laughs> what's the name? What's the name of the guy? Sisyphus. Sisyphus. There's, Whatever, there's, there's no saving you, man. There's no saving okay. you. Okay. I'm just saying. It's fucking insane. The guy's a psycho. I mean, he's really going as hard. I saw Darren Elias also won something massive uh, on GG for like 150K. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, they sorry. have that circuit. Sorry. Sorry. For, sorry. Let me not do that justice. 450K. Wow. Uh, yeah. oh, okay. So their circuit series is huge then. This like winter series that they put on. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I just saw that they did a they did a winter circuit series right after uh, the WSOP American side was doing uh, a ten k main event or whatever. Um, and I saw that like it was a pretty hefty schedule. I think it was like, man, I, I'm not going to get this right, but I, it was like millions in guarantees, like maybe four point yeah. five million in guarantees or something like that. But I didn't think that they were getting that big, like four hundred fifty k. I assume this is like a one k buy in with like. You know, two or three thousand runners. It's pretty sick. Like, is people think Darren Elias is washed? He's not washed. Who the fuck? People think he's Darren just like chilling. Washed. People, yo, people think Darren Elias is washed, man. People are like, oh, he's just in his house in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, fucking cooking ribs and shit. Like nobody knows, he's man. Not. Uh, he's not. He's he's a killer, and I don't think that honestly, like a year off of live poker, I think, uh, really hurts the guys who are just absolute crushers in that realm. Like as far as their their uh, Q score, let's call it in in the in the poker community, the power rankings. Yeah, the power rankings. Like a guy like Darren Elias falls because people forget how fucking good he actually is. But like you know, WPT is just gonna start back up sometime in the spring, and he's just gonna go make three more final tables and win one. First time I played with Darren Elias in my entire life, it was a Harris seventeen hundred uh, WSOP. Uh, circuit event mm -hmm. main event right mm -hmm. so we play right like the whole day whatever we end up bagging like he was there from the beginning of the day to the end of the day right okay then the day's over he's bagging and i'm like damn this guy actually like he played pretty good or whatever right so he like grabs his phone and i'm like looking at him as i tag i i, I was like pretty happy that i bagged more chips than him i was like kind of making sure that i like i was like comparing myself to him i didn't even know who he was <laughs> then he gets on the phone and he's like Hey, uh, is there any 1025 or bigger running? And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, he was like calling Borgata, like asking for a fucking big game. And then he's like, all right, uh, can you put me on the list? I'll be right there. And I'm like, this motherfucker's a psychopath. Yeah. Like, he just played all day, like, literally from like 11 a.m. to like 8 30, and then goes and wants to play high stakes cash. Bro, that's a short and day for MTTers, man. Usually they're used to bagging at midnight, you know? Freaking guy, man. And then ever since then, like, I just see him all the time wearing his fucking Adidas fucking hoodies. And, nah, North and Face. North like, Face. Always North Face. North Face. All right. Well, you know. Uh, I like Darren a lot. I have a couple of funny stories about him. Uh, number one, his dad was my athletic director in college. Small world. Really? Yeah. Uh, he was the head football coach at Gannon University, like, I want to say maybe like 98 to 2001. And then he took over the head AD uh, role. So, like, between... I was there from like 2001 to 2005. So like in that four-year span, he was both the head football coach and then the AD. Um, you think you're a better athlete than Darren Elias? Yeah. Close. Nice. I don't, I don't know. I, I guess I don't know enough about his athletic. Set up an Ironman. We're going to set up an Ironman for high stakes. I don't know enough about let's his athletic go. history. I, I, I would trust that he's a very good athlete, though. I think that uh, – let's say that – uh, without knowing uh, anything, trying to get a better I'll backtrack a little get bit. A better price. He's trying to get a better price. He's like, yeah, make even money, even money. Uh, I'm gonna backtrack a little bit. I, without knowing his athletic past, I would say we're comparable. Um, yeah, that's fair. But like, if he didn't play sports as much as I think that he did, then yeah, I'm probably a better athlete. But I, I'm imagining right, with so a dad who was a football coach and an AD, he probably played a lot of sports. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, it's kind of funny, right? I mean, he he, def he also has like the cutest little girls. It's pretty awesome. Um, um all right. Some things that you both are probably going to play is this WSOP circuit, which is going to be online, which is going to be almost a year-long thing. So it's going to start January 14th, and it's not going to end until we're almost in 2022 with Bitcoin at 100K. Mm. So it's going to be like a year-long thing. There's so many things going on. Um, I know that before we started – you kind of went through all the bullet points of, you know, what are the things going to include? I felt as if you were relatively impressed. I 
uh, am going to say nice things about WSOP today because it seems as if they got this one right. You know, I give credit where the credit is due, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to let you kind of take over because I know you were, you were kind of walking through it. But yeah, so, uh, uh, so, so it looks like they're going to do a monthly series. So uh, for two weeks out of every month for the next 12 months, they're going to host a, a circuit series. Um, and quarterly, they're going to do a super circuit. So that's what we're about to play right now, uh, coming towards the middle to end of January. Um, the super circuits are going to include high rollers, including a 1K and a 2K event. The regular circuits will be uh, a smaller average buy-in with only 12 rings instead of 18. Now, some of these you see are uh, labeled by casino, like Planet Hollywood Circuit, uh, Caesars Atlantic, Silver Legacy. I'm not even sure where that's at. I'm guessing it's on the East Coast. Uh, basically what that means is that that casino is sponsoring that month's circuit event and offering a uh, cash in cash out option at their uh, local premise as well as a poker rate for people to travel to stay there grind the circuit out uh, for cheap rooms it seems like a smart business play for caesar's properties to basically encourage people to do uh, a small amount of traveling stay on site maybe start to fill up uh, their rooms in a time where they're probably at, you know, minimal capacity. Um, and they trying to get you in the building, man. Yeah. They want you to roll the dice. That's you know, right. they want you in there like, you know, 21, try to get in. They try to get you to gamble a little bit. They give you throw always, you a little bird. Everything's always a marketing funnel, man. If, if I've yeah, learned sure. anything running a business over the last five years, every single thing you do needs to be funneling people to another thing. There's always the negative side. I'm going to start with the negative side, right? Because I'm going to get that out of the way. You're encouraging people to travel during the pandemic. Never sure. good, right? Besides that, I think I think it's a pretty good uh, event. They're throwing in a bunch of free rolls. I saw 25K free roll almost on every single one. Every month, right? Yeah. So um, instead of doing I, a year-long leaderboard, they're doing a, a monthly leaderboard. And uh, the top, I don't know, 100 or something like that will qualify for a 20, 25K free roll. Yeah, I think that's like... You know, that's really that's pretty generous, right? Like you add those up, there's a bunch of a couple hundred K, right? It's six hundred K and added uh added guarantees and prizes. Or added money. Right. Right. So I mean definitely positive, right? It's it, that's that's a that's a big deal, right? Mm-hmm. They're giving away six hundred thousand in prizes and, and, and free rolls, etc. They are making it easy to kind of cash in and cash out for people that, you know struggle with that because you know the online process isn't that easy to be fair yeah like it's also it, capped. it's kind of a yeah it's capped it's annoying it, it's like it, it's a it's a process right yep. like especially for people that come from out of state or whatever and they're not really into it. it's nice to just like go to the casino that you normally go to right if you were if you were someone that plays let's say the bally's event you're used to going to bally's and cashing in and cashing out so here you're like okay i'm going to bally's again it's kind of a familiar process to you uh which is kind of nice so I am a I am a fan of this event from WSOP. I am of course not a fan of the traveling part of it, but the world has to move, sort of. Yeah, so, so I, I mean, you know, for for all intent and purposes, um, whether they offer discounted room rates or not, if people want to travel to Jersey and Vegas to play these, they'll just Airbnb. Um, so I imagine that like the majority of the people that are traveling probably aren't flying i would assume it's like people from new york traveling to jersey i would imagine people from pennsylvania oh man to there's jersey. some Jew- there's some jewish kid man that i met one time uh my man uh ari engel he's out in the mix man he's yeah. trying like he wherever wherever there's a story that where there's a will there's an ari yeah, but like he's like, he's close to jersey right like uh, yeah, i, yeah, I know here. i know you're yeah. just using him as a general example not specific but yeah you're right there's probably some kid in st specific. louis missouri who who like is gonna find a way to play all of these um, yeah, I mean, the series is great for the grinders and it's nice to do the super series because it'll bring guys like me in for sure. Uh, and, you know, speaking of funneling, uh, I can't imagine how I won't be streaming the two weeks mid January to the end. Um, it just, you know, it's, it's incentivized. The, the prize pools are going to be big. It's going to be a lot of events where it's 30 to 50 K to first gets me out of bed, gives me a reason to, to flip on the stream and fuck man, we're going to be pulling double duty. 
Or maybe... Nah, man, you're going to be streaming every single day for the entire year. WSOP hired your ass after this. They got you every day. They got you Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then every day after that, they got you doing WSOP. That's it. They smart, bro. They're like, listen, how do we get Berkey to just stream every single day? It's so smart. It, honestly, it, it plays out so well, too, because like their events on the Polk days, at least on, on Friday specifically, is always like, who gives a shit? Not really going to play. It's like a $200 knockout. You're just like, whatever, don't care to play that one. Um, and Monday and Wednesdays are like somewhat off days. Like Tuesdays and Thursdays, Tuesday, Thursday, yeah. Sunday are the big you days. Think they did by, you think they did this by mistake, bro? They, they, some of those people over there, they smart, bro. I've seen the, I see the cars they they drive. They drive nice Teslas and shit. Mm -hmm. Like they, they smart over there. They know what's going on, bro. Anyway, talking about Daniel, another thing that's happening on WSOP, of course, is the Daniel and, and Doug Polk Challenge, as you mentioned. Daniel has won four matches in a row. Not matches, excuse me. Sessions in a row. I think it's three and four or five. He, he had a small loser in between. He's doing really good. Yeah. Okay. He, he's doing really well. Um, and I'd like to take credit for that because I am going to say that if you come on the Software Wide podcast, you go on a heater. Mm. That's just kind of how it works. Right. You come on the podcast, you go on a heater. You know, D-Moon Girl, she came on the podcast, she went on a heater. Like then, uh, who else came on the podcast? Like everybody, everybody. Like my Jeff man, Platt. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Platt. He came on the podcast. Boom! All of a sudden, he's like a WSOP final table or some shit. I don't right? remember if it happened then, before or after, but let's pretend it happened it all, after. It, it all relates. It all relates. <laughs> it's the aura of, of, right. the, of the thing. Any. Then after that, vibes. My man, vibes was on the podcast. He got corona. He recovered. It's all right. <laughs> like he didn't die. And then his girl didn't even get it. His girl didn't even get Corona. That, that she was is like, they were sort they of were, a heater. They were in this, yeah, they were in the same building doing allegedly nice things to each other, and they still didn't get Corona. Mm. That's pretty nice. Yeah. That's, that's and you ran right well. I got Corona. You didn't get it, and I was asymptomatic. What more yes, did you ask for? That's, that's what I'm saying. The, 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 the podcast is a run good. That's true. We're in a protected bubble here. Anyway, so he, he's won the last couple, right? More mm -hmm. than a handful, or a handful, rather. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of the how it's gone. So he was down almost a million, and now he's only down six hundred and forty-four thousand. You know, only is a relative term. Sure. That's a lot of fucking money. Like, yeah. like that's a lot of money. But uh, he's played a little bit over half. We've played thirteen thousand seven hundred and fifty hands approximately. So still about forty-five percent of the way to go. And, you know, we were talking about it on stream yesterday, and it's not unreasonable for him to come back. Obviously, things have to go your way. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one of those that obviously you have to run good. Yeah. But if you chip away 100K a couple times, like, this ball game again. Yeah, I could see a realm. I mean, I think it's like, you know, uh, a lower probability. Like, he's not a favorite to do this, but I could definitely see a realm where he just strings together uh you know six or seven wins in the six figure neighborhood and suddenly just it evaporates but the thing is is like like we hope that that happens session 25 26 27 or sorry uh 35 36 37 38 39 40 right so that like this thing actually is going to be super tight at the wire um it's 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 kind of like a boxing match in that regard you want to see just them exchanging blows as much as possible but given that Daniel's losing, you really want to see him put together that stretch run in the final, like, I don't know, 3,000 hands or so. For sure, for sure. I think Daniel played really well last session. I yeah. think he's stringing. I think, I think we're, seeing, we're seeing the evolution of, of, of Daniel. Uh, we're seeing him play, like, significantly better than he did, you know, the first, you know, 2,000 hands or whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's, that's nice to see. And one of the things that, were, that was especially nice to see was Lin G on our coverage of this match it really did just she, turn into a watch party well you know that's what it's supposed to be anyway yeah like it, it was supposed to be a watch party and then it really was a watch party and i really enjoyed her company honestly i i said this before we had her on that i felt as if she at least on her appearance on high stakes poker was someone that kind of like splashed onto the scene and had the star power to stay mm -hmm. you know and that doesn't happen for a lot of people and it's and it's not like a female versus male thing it's more that i just think that 
one, her style of play is very conducive to one that is very watchable, right? And also, her personality is actually, like, pretty entertaining, you know? Yeah. So, it, it was fun to have. And, you know, having three people in the booth was a little bit worrisome for me, honestly, because it's like, you know, three's a crowd. Uh, and But I thought it went really well with Lynn. And I am looking forward to see if potentially other people do join in. Yeah, I I prefer it. Um, I would like to do as much three-way casting as possible from just the perspective of breaking you and I up a little bit. It's like we're already doing the vlog cast. We do so much together as a team. And I think you and I work really well together. But like this particular endeavor, I guess, of heads up, no limit, hold them with no whole cards exposed is the driest most boring version of any commentary you and I will do together. And I think that like over the course of 40 matches, like that's just going to show, right? Like we can only speculate so much of mm -hmm. where Daniel's winning or losing, where Doug is winning or losing. And I think that like, it just becomes a little bit trite to continually make it about strategy, especially when like the most that we can really say is like something speculative of like, Hey, you should be folding these hands. And he probably got there with, uh, uh nothing right. again and like you know it's an air ball or whatever right so like i think about it in terms of of like my streaming um whenever i'm i'm like doing a full slate or something like that and just doing it solo uh i like talking strat but i don't really like it, it's not a a really dense strategic heavy stream it's more like conversational where i'm engaging with the audience as best i can and like they're serving as my my color commentary, if you will, right? Like I'm doing a little bit of analysis, but we're kind of like bouncing back and forth, making it conversational. And it does become a lot more of like that watch party type vibe. Um, and I thought that like with having Lynn here, uh, especially just like, it's it's nice to have a female voice. You know, she's she's on the aggro side of things, but like, it's it's nice to have somebody like kind of dampen the, the competitiveness of us trying to just constantly insert some sort of like strategic advice or, or, you know, whatever, like there's no stories that you and I can tell anymore. We've, we've been, through I don't know, that. man, there's a lot of stories. I got so many stories. Yeah. There's new like, ones, but like, you know, no, it's... no, 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 no. They're, they're, they're old, but they, I've, they haven't been told because the thing is I have to watch my mouth, bro. I don't know. I don't, I don't right, know. Right. You can't you do know? it live. You got to save those stories for here where we're recorded and you know, we could potentially just say, huh. I don't know that the uh, the the four a.m. strip club trip to Canada, where Chin was found in the back room, passed out, is really one that we want to get out on the air. I have a couple strip club stories. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do, I do, yeah. I do have a couple strip club stories. You know, shout out to you know Iris over there. Sure. Uh, anyway, but yeah, I just think it takes a ton of pressure off of you and I. Like we kind of just get to relax a little bit and be a lot more conversational, a lot more uh, personable as opposed to yeah. just having to be robotic, strategic operators. So what are what are some of the people you'd like to see that join us, right? There, there's, I, I know that there's been, we, we lost one of our own to the Joey stream, yeah. you know, RIP, my man Landon Tice, you know, <laughs> used to be, used to be part of the, part of the crew, but you know, pour a little out for my man, you know, <laughs> just, just never going to um, see him back over here, it seems, but yeah, there's a lot of kids, man. There's so much talk about Jeremiah. Like, I feel like I hear his name every fucking day. Like, no one sees who this guy is. I can't wait for people to actually see him uh, on the Poker After Dark because his name just, like, lurks in the shadows and no yeah. one really knows who he is, you know? I think, uh, yeah, I think he would want to do it. I think he would be a great addition to have uh, from time to time. Um, he's he's interesting, man. Like, And that's the other thing is, like, we got there, – there's a part that I want to clip from yesterday where we kind of got, like, Lynn's backstory – and that's nice because, like, in in some regards, it almost turns into a podcast in that regard, right? Like, you get to know these people a little bit better. I think the world needs to know Jeremiah a lot better. He's a part of a guinea pig rescue. He's like super he passionate about this. Uh, he has I, I think it's pigs, I think it's like a fascinating story. Um, he has mad. He has a lot of guinea pigs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I I think like getting that on air will be worth something. Uh, I know Lynn wants Se to do it again. Second time I met Jeremiah, he was like. My guinea pig is pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? That's that's literally what that was like his yeah. opening topic. Right. To like right. talk. Yeah. 
He's like, hey, man, good to see you. You know what's crazy? My guinea pig is pregnant. And I'm like, wait, is this guy joking with me right now? I mean, that's insane. This reminds me of a I've... weird story. But when I was like seven years old, um, I had a pet gerbil. I had two pet gerbils. What's, what's that? What's that? Uh, think hamster, but smaller. So it, a mouse. It, it, yeah, it's of the rodent family. Uh, not a mouse. It, it's a gerbil. It's it's different. Or sorry, it's a, yeah, 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 yeah. A gerbil. It's smaller than a hamster. Smaller than a hamster, bigger than a mouse of the rodent family. I don't know enough about it. I just had a gerbil. I had two gerbils, right? One was black and one was brown and white. Um, so this, this is a, a tragic story in so many regards. Uh, so I had the, the brown and white one, similar to what Andre just pulled up first. And then we went and got a second one. And we were told that the brown and white one was female. And we were also told that the black one was female. So figured it was fine, right? Turns out one of them was male. And uh, we assumed that it was the black one um, because like, actually, I don't know why we assumed that. I, I was just told that, I guess, by my parents that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was wrong and that the, the black one was actually male. And the reason this is important or the reason we even knew this is because they had babies. So they mm-hmm. come out these little tiny pink nuggets, man. Like, I don't even know how to describe it, but they're totally hairless. They look like a, a little baby rodent, basically, right? So when they have children, you're supposed to remove the male because males are aggressive and will eat the children, right? So we remove the black one. Turns out the black one was the female. Oh, shit. <laughs> Babies all get eaten. Tragedy. We had to bury them, right? We have a little little burial for them. Yeah, that, that's a little gerbil baby. Little gerbil baby. So we're already suffering this tragedy, right? We put them back together, which I don't know why we put them back together. Of course, they're they're probably just going to have new gerbil babies, right? Um, but they never had a chance because what ultimately ended up happening is they escaped one night. And the house I was living in had electric heaters. So um, basically, they ran a, a, along the baseboard. Uh, so this mm. was like in the 80s, right? So they ran along the baseboard and, uh, you know, they, they have coils in them that are covered by metal, but there's an opening for the heat to escape. Well, after uh, a few days of them being missing and a subtle stink coming from the, the living room area, it turned out that they had made habitat in the heating duct and uh, got fried. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, that's sad. That's actually sad. Yeah. It's tragedy. It reminds me of it reminds me of a story. I was like talking to some girl. <laughs> How <laughs> on earth does this remind you of a story where you're talking to some girl? Because I'm gonna girl. tell you. I'm gonna tell you. I was talking oh, to some girl. Man. Okay. I go. I'll go over her house, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, she had this tattoo right here. It was like HBIC. Mm-hmm. At the time, I didn't know what that meant. I don't know what it uh-huh. means now. F- please fill us in. By the way, you should just be running at this point. It should be. It should be. It means head bitch in charge. Yeah. See, I knew it. I knew. <laughs> I knew. I knew. The second that she has some sort of abbreviation tattooed on her wrist, you should be gone. Like that should be sign one out. I kind of was like, damn, this 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 chick is kind of fly. Okay. Um. So whatever. Like we're like kissing and stuff, and then like an animal just like climbs onto the couch. Mm-hmm. An unidentified I, animal. Yes. Okay. I'm like, what is that? And she's like, it's my ferret. I was that was the end of our relationship, bro. Right. There was no way I wasn't dating some chick with a ferret. No, nah, ferrets like, are chill, <laughs> bro. I didn't even know what a ferret was. Like I'm Dominican. There's no Dominican. There's no ferrets in Dominican Republic. That's uh, insanity. Did it have a certain smell to it? Did I tell you I was out? Like I was, I was out. <laughs> I was like, like, what do you mean? Did I have a certain smell? I was gone. Like I was like, yo, like we're done. Like there's no way. Like I'm not uh, hanging around with a ferret and I some think, girl. Uh, ferrets are cute, charge man. Ferret. I, I the only cute. reason that like I've I've uh, shied away from like ever wanting or liking ferrets is because I thought, if I'm not mistaken, that they secrete I some thought sort. You were of... gonna say like girls with ferrets? No, like... no, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, but I think that they secrete some sort of oil that like has a stink to it, and it makes it very difficult to keep them as pets. I could be wrong. So they're like they're like fucking skunks. No, no, no. Skunks actually spray you as a defense mechanism. By the way, yeah. I, uh, we are so far on a tangent now, but I've been scrolling uh, reels on Instagram a lot lately uh, because I just tend to get bored for fifteen minutes of time in the sauna. And there's this guy with a pet skunk who just like. Yeah, they, they... 
they remove the, uh, the, the glands. Okay, okay. Yeah, that that's what sense. it is. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. There's some weird people out there, yeah. man. They do that shit. They, they, they're like into the skunk. Like, I'm, I'm, they're into the ferret. I was out. I've seen anyway. like pet hedgehogs. You see, like, whatever happens to just like have a dog, have a cat. My nephew got a boa. No, a what? A boa. A snake. What's that? A snake. I'm out. Like a construct. Uh, here's my thing. Why? Why? Why get a thing that just sits in a cage, does nothing? It, it's scaly. Like you're not gonna pet it or anything. All you do is you I just like gets, sit there, stare at it, and feed it a mouse every now and again. I hope it. I hope it gets out. Anyway. There was something you said yesterday on the stream that I thought was like actually kind of interesting that I think people on the podcast would like for you to expand on. Okay. And that was uh, a statement that you made that you in 2021, you can pluck out a 510 regular mm-hmm. and input them into a 200-400 live No Limit Hold'em game. And potentially they would do okay. Can you expand on why do you think that is what do you think in 2021 allows that to be? And if there were oppositions, what do you think that would what that would look like? Yeah, so I should qualify. This this should be rather specific. Um, I think that you can pluck like big winners from any stake pool in the live realm. The uh, one two, well, the one two at at Bally's and no, AC. No, one, two. Uh, no, 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 no. Because like I, I guess like once you once you start getting to like five ten plus, okay. Um, even two five probably doesn't qualify because they would just be moving up or shot taking at that point if they had a sound strategy. Um, but like once somebody gets to a point where they are a proven winner at like the five ten plus realm, I believe that most of them, assuming that they don't just strictly come from an, uh, a live background, right? So I think age matters a little bit here. Um, mm-hmm. I think like plucking the biggest five ten winner from the age of thirty five plus probably isn't going to translate. Although well, they're not. Like, although unfortunately. This is the thing, like, it's unlikely that the biggest winner at 510 is 35 plus. Agreed. Agreed. Unfortunately. Um, I, I agree, but not necessarily because, like, if you're there, younger, there are exceptions. But well, I'm well saying, the thing is, is, like, uh, they could just be stuck there, which will by default make them the bigger winner because they're so experienced and seasoned. Whereas, like, the younger kid who has a really sound strategy that's crushing 510 just moves. He just moves up. Um, yeah, but I, I guess the point that I was trying to make is that young up and comers who are proving themselves at the mid stakes are doing so at a rapid rate because they have strategy. Uh, They Mm -hmm. have the availability to a lot of resources that like my generation and even your generation just didn't. So the biggest winners when we were coming up were the people who could outwit, outmaneuver, outthink, and kind of like outpace the field. That's not really the case now. Like using Landon as a prime example, he was playing micros a year ago. He's now playing like up to 10K NL online. And I don't think a ton has changed other than he's gotten more sound in his actual strategy, right? He's just added more layers to his strategy. Um, And when you're talking about the live realm, due to the softness of each stake, that just translates into relatively large win rate. So uh, now it does just become a money factor type thing. And an opportunity, right? Like, generally speaking, they're just not going to have the availability to play that game because nobody wants uh, somebody playing a really strong, tight strategy to come sit in a fishy 200-400 game. Fucking nits. They just fold deuces under the gun, you know? Yeah, yeah. can't breathe. Just, can't do it. Just like... um, but, uh, you know, to be fair, I, I don't think that this is anything to be disheartened by. Uh, I just think it's where we're at in the landscape now. It is what it is, right? Like strategies are necessary now, whereas in the past strategies were uh, a byproduct of being elite. Like that was literally the difference, right? If you were elite, it's because you had a profoundly well thought out strategy. Now, if you're elite, it's because you have a hundred layers deeper to your strategy than the players that are great. And you have a thousand layers deeper than the players that are good. Put the applications in. Phil Bellagio 510. Berkey is signing you to a 200, 400, no limit hold'em stake. Just bring it on. Mm-hmm. Show us a tape of your, uh, make a little vlog of your last 10 sessions so that he can evaluate where you fall in the landscape. And uh, plug and play, baby. Plug and play. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's less common than that. But, you know, I think like 1% to 5% of each player pool 
and that that number probably grows exponentially as you go higher so like if it's one to five percent of the five ten players it might be like three to seven percent of the ten twenty players and it might be like that's the thing i think i think there are like okay so at five ten bellagio i know that pool relatively well mm -hmm. i would say there's 1.5 players that can beat two four you know okay. like sunrise sunrise can definitely beat it and maybe some other kid but i don't have enough of a sample but like that's probably fair right like there's i would say in terms of regs there's mm -hmm. like 30 regs okay perfect and and 1.5 you know like or two regs yeah can, if can we win. say two in 40 that's uh that's five percent so, so five yeah, percent uh, yeah that's so. that's probably on par um no. and you know you're, you're just talking about one casino one stake at that casino etc cetera, etc cetera. if we if we extrapolate that out to just 510 countrywide you're probably going to have you know five to 25 people that uh you could you could pluck out of that pool there's so much variance though right it's like when you get to 200 400 of these people lose like the first five sessions like they'll probably never get another shot right like, uh, it's I, just like so i think that's where i disagree uh, i think somebody like when you again using Landon as the example, he can just yeah, but that's he'll just very, always be able to very, find funding. But that's a very unique example. It's only unique that, because he's public. Like he's, that makes a big deal. Yeah, that, it does. It does. You're right. But but like he's gone the way of branding himself at 21 as being the child of the sim and the next gen and the the upcoming rising star, and he's aligned himself with people who can help facilitate and leverage that branding uh, attempt. Right. So because mm. of that. And because he is obviously a winning player, um, he'll just always have the capacity to find the funding. It's I don't know, man. The Bellagio, Bellagio 10, 20, 40 regs told me that the, like, they welcomed the kids. Like, tell them they were like, they were like, bring it on. Bring on the funding. All this shit. We, we want to see it. I get it. I you get know? it, man. I, I have, the I, well, I mean, I have the same, I have the same mindset in the sense of like, they're different realms and, and there's a, a certain corrective phase that has to take place. The thing is, is like, it's a little bit arrogant to say, bring on a winning player to a new realm where he's going to struggle a little bit out of the gate because it's... They didn't like being called perceived good regs. They I get didn't that. like that. I get that. I had I... to hear, I had to hear it for a month, Burke. I, I was understand. defending the young prince. I was like, he just doesn't know that you guys are straight killers. You know, you guys, you know, I was, I was like, I was, I was trying to make him feel good. You know, I was yeah, kind of like, you sure. know, I was giving them a little bit of the stuff, you know? Like, I was like... <laughs> You're playing host. Like, You're playing host. Yeah, I was like, listen, they, he just doesn't know that you guys really are the OGs, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like, and, you know, um, he's trying... But yeah, like, yeah. at the end of the day, it's like, uh, they're, they're probably right. Landon probably will struggle a little bit out of the gate adjusting to live. But it's like, to think that 100 hours in, he's not just going to be crushing the game is not giving enough credit to his ability to to get better. They us. wanted the crossbook, Berg. I was like, chill, bro. Let the kid fucking... <laughs> Lick his wounds online, man. Goddamn, you know? He's done okay for Dude. himself. Yeah, he's doing okay. Like, let the kids just live online. Some people just live online, and that's okay, you know? Yeah. You don't got to You don't gotta play uh, 400 big blinds deep, you know? It's just, it's well, okay. I, do think, I, I think that that's the other element of it, too, is, like, when I'm saying that uh, you can pluck a guy like Landon and put him at any stake level and he'll compete immediately, that's very true, but to uh, a certain degree or element of limitation, right? Um, if he's in a lineup of people who are just accustomed to playing 500 big blinds deep always and he's not or he's not quite as studied in that arena, you're a little bit more in the wild, wild west. And now experience is worth a whole lot. But also, you know, his study is still worth something. It, it just... I am going. Yep. You're 100 percent right, Burke. I have the strategy. We're going to invest in a couple guys that, that play 510 at Bellagio and they're only allowed to hit. This is the strategy. Ready? We're gonna buy all the action. They're gonna get twenty percent. Mm -hmm. They have they buy in for a hundred big blinds, and if they get to two hundred and fifty big blinds, they're forced to get up. Yeah. At That's the cost, it. It, and like even if it costs them the seat, we don't care because we're just gonna no, rinse no, no, and repeat. What do you mean? Well, we, we no, don't care. Course. Like we have the next, we have the yeah, next yeah, guy yeah. behind <laughs> them sitting in with a hundred bigs. We, yeah. Of course, Lynn was telling me yesterday like how I'm so good at peace buying because I developed the strategy. <laughs> I know, I know where the EV is. That's Once true. they get to 250 big blinds, they don't know what the hell's going on. There's no PO. There's no fucking solver. You know, you just... know what the real problem is? Is that it, it's not that the PO strategies become irrelevant at depth. It's that the field as a whole 
doesn't properly adjust. So like if you look at like a solver output for 500 big blinds, stack off ratios are going to be so fucking insanely tight, right? There are going to be spots yeah. where like it's too thin to stack off with a set simply because a bigger set exists. You know yeah. what I mean? Like a three bet pot where you flop like middle set on Jack eight X and like, it just runs out clean. And like, you know, there are going to be some instances where like eights just can't stack there. Not that they'll be folding, but like, they're not putting in that next aggressive action because you just run into jacks at equilibrium whenever you're getting in to a thousand big blind pot, right? Aces, That's kings, and queens just don't go broke there. But in the live realm against like I was half telling, I was, of the field, they're yeah. fucking stacking ace jack there. <laughs> I was telling, I was telling uh, Landon, I was like, bro, kings going smooth for two hundred. Oh, what are you for talking? Two hundred. Like, what are you talking about? Like, like upwards like, of kings three. Going smooth, and he was like, nah, bro, that's crazy. And then I remember. We went. We played a fifty, hundred game at the win, mm -hmm. and I had kings like first rotation. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, and I remember just like going all in, and the guy calls, and I'm like, and I'm for twenty k. Yeah, for twenty k, <laughs> like it just goes just in, and I remember you just like table it, and and I remember seeing the board like it contained like a queen and a ten or a yeah, queen and a jack yeah, with it, it was, or whatever. It was like, it was and like, I'm just the like, I need just to have ace king. Like, <laughs> it's just like. It was a smooth 200. No, but it, it didn't. Do you remember? You got in Queens versus Ace Jack for like 150. You got in Kings versus what I assumed was at best it's Ace King ace that King. hit. At best. Awesome. Like easily could have been Ace Queen or Ace Jack as well. Yeah, that's true. Especially like the party that it came from. Like, what that, are you going to do, man? It's smooth. Bro, smooth. Just... Anyway, so on to a more somber note, right? There's been some uh, negative things in the news. Uh, I will say that we will try to be the most unbiased that we can. Uh, I have my own personal opinions. I'm sure you do too. But yesterday was, and by the time you all see this, it will probably be, be a couple days. But no, no, no. Yesterday, it, this is going out today. On Capitol Hill, there was uh, an event. And I don't necessarily feel like I will do it justice in terms of me kind of describing it. So I will just play the video. This is going to be the morning of. This is a photo. Uh, the morning of the Capitol building. Uh, and, and and, remind and, me, they were all gathered because uh, Trump was going to address the nation based on the Georgia results? This is the morning. They're confirming the Electoral College, effectively saying uh, Biden is going to be our next president. Mm -hmm. Right? And then there is, a, you know, Trump effectively says a speech right gives a speech and says like you know they stole the election we're gonna go down to the capitol and we're going to see what's up you know and I, I think like uh, additionally giuliani spoke and i think giuliani uh used some aggressive rhetoric something to the effect of we are going to uh bend our will or, or make them bend at our will uh, to, you know, demonstrate that, like, we won't be bullied off of this election. What a nice guy. So, effectively, right after the Trump supporters barricade themselves inside of the Capitol Hill, bar bombard the Capitol Hill. Like, so, they weren't yeah, understaffed, I mean, right? I mean, or, there's or a lot of they? people... There's yeah, yeah, no, I know. Okay, so then I guess it becomes a better question of, like, why were they understaffed? I know that there was imagery being demonstrated uh, of what the Capitol building looked like during the BLM movement, and it was yeah. just, like, top to bottom uh, mil military. Or Yeah, I mean, there, know, was, there, some was some talk of, um, there was some talk that Trump did not want to engage the National Guard, and it was Mike Pence that ended up having to make the call mm -hmm. and saying, like, okay, you know, we have to bring on the national guard so they're just you know the people that had the power were saying like we're not we're just gonna see what happens let our people protest the way that they want to protest and i think that um i mean to be fair like uh, i guess this is more of more condemning the their lack of planning uh because i don't think that this protest or riot or whatever the fuck we want to label this as uh was like unprecedented or maybe maybe unprecedented is the wrong word because maybe we don't have a lot of examples of this happening in history but i don't think that like it was shocking like the idea that 
um, once Trump was confirmed no longer to be in office, the idea that his uh, support group wouldn't in some way, shape or form take to the streets and protest seems a little bit uh, euphoric or far-fetched to believe that everybody was just of the impression and like, yeah, no one's going to care, you know, like whatever. Uh, we, well, we, I think, we have a yeah. very clear, rational leader who is just going to, you know, confirm that Biden is the new president. He's going to step down gracefully. He's not going to say anything inflammatory to his constituents. And uh, we're just going to move through this nicely. It's going to be a smooth transition of power, right? There's just no way that anybody in any sort of position of power thought that to be true. So this now comes back to, in my mind, like where the fuck are the checks and balances? Because there's no way that this ultimate decision lived and died with Trump. Like if that's true, then we're fucking up big time in the checks and balance system because obviously he's incentivized to let the country burn and then just say, see what happens without I think, me. I think, I think Washington, D.C. is like a unique scenario mm -hmm. because it's not a state. Right, and it's controlled by it's controlled by the federal government. Right, so it's a, it's his call, right? So it, it's one of those that is like very unique. In but that. the executive branch still has checks and, and balances, right? Like, uh, I mean, I guess maybe it just moves slowly, and and you're right that like ultimately he gets to be the one to decide, like in the moment type of stuff. Um, yeah. I, I just it just seems crazy that you know they plan this big gathering to confirm the electoral results and nobody was of the impression of like, Hey, we're a little undermanned here. Uh, should something break out? I mean, who, who would have thought though? Right. It's like, it's insane. Like but, for you to think that, I, I don't it, think it is. That's so crazy. Like if we live in a world where it's like you, you're confirming the electoral college and you just think there is the chance that people are just going to come in and barge the Capitol. Well, th th this is very unique. Right. Like we know that this was under heavy uh, protest and that the election was being contested. So right. that means that there is a large subset. Right. There's 40. What what was the popular vote? Like 53, 47. So there's yeah. like 47 percent like of, of the country that is up in arms that their man didn't win. And also there was a lot, there was a handful, more than a handful of senators that said like, we're not agreeing with this, right. you know, like we're not agreeing with this result. Yeah. So that yeah, also I mean, gives some credence to the argument of saying like, maybe there's this contested, maybe there is like, maybe the Democrats did steal the election. They haven't always been the most honest, you know, there's, you know, the Hillary Clinton scandal between, you know, how they stole mm -hmm. the stuff from Bernie and also like the emails and you know there's always been like this like conspiracy between like are the democrats the most clean cut as, sure as but we we know that politics are corrupt as fuck uh this is this is a different conversation i think this is more so messaging towards that 47 percent of constituents that uh are willing to to you know now form a militia and attempt to overthrow their government right and that in part, like this goes all the way back to the to the um, debate when Trump was asked to denounce white supremacy groups. And he said, give me an example. And somebody said, Proud Boys. And he said, you know, stand down and stand by. And mm -hmm. it's like, you know, that is very clear cut, actionable messaging. And right, was, people call it dog whistling, right? Like yeah, they're, they're yeah, yeah. effectively like he's saying things. It's a subliminal it. message, yeah. That that is is clear to the people that it's it's meant to reach. And you know his his press conference yesterday was a lot of the same inflammatory speech. Like we won't be denied the presidency. We're not going to let them steal this from us. And yeah, there's some fluttery words in between where it's like um, you know he kind of acknowledges that it's happened, but he's not going down without a fight. And we we saw. Uh, social media platforms have to take action because of that, because, you know, he has reach uh, and these platforms are being leveraged uh, by Trump to message to this group that is, for all intents and purposes, inciting violence. Yeah, I mean, there was the photo of the man in Nancy Pelosi's office kicked feet up you know nancy pelosi if there's any comedy off of this like some of the photos are fucking this is brett Favre. this is brett fucking Favre, man he he gave up on the wrangler ads and he decided to overthrow the goddamn government i mean this is this is the 
the level of disrespect here though, right? It's you're you're in Nancy Pelosi's office. I mean, you know what bothers me the of, most? The, like that, that's the Speaker of the House, man. Like you're you you're know, on the Speaker of the House's desk, kick feet up, talking about this election's ours. You know what bothers me, and, and this is this is personal. This isn't. Uh, I'm not trying to lay some sort of rationality over this, but it bothers me that that image that we just saw is what the rest of the world believes America to be, and even a lot of America believes that that image of a grizzled man in his late 40s, early 50s, uh, disrespecting the foundations of our government because he has different beliefs. The, the rest of the world believes that that's what America is. And there's a lot of this country that believes that that man represents what a patriot is. And that's so mm -hmm. sad and disheartening to me. It's like, Yes, we were. I mean, there are there are big there are big moments. Not to cut you off, but like there are big moments of that that type of disrespect happening. Like, I remember the shoe being thrown at George W. Bush, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's like a huge that, like no one will, no one will ever forget that. That right? wasn't in America, though. Oh, you're saying like the rest of the world disrespecting America? Yeah, that, that yeah, but yeah. I'm, but it comes from that, right? Uh, maybe. Uh, I I don't know enough about that shoe incident. I just know that that was like a Turkish reporter or something like that who was upset. Or, or maybe an Iranian reporter. It, it, it had more to do with our foreign policy. Okay, um, sorry. Go ahead. So I think that that's very different in some regard. But yeah, maybe they do see George W. Bush as that same representative Texan who is imposing his will on their nation with the military, right? Like that's ultimately what it comes down to. We are this massive militant country that is supposedly a democracy and imposing its will upon other sovereign nations and non-sovereign nations across the world. Um, and I get that that's, that's in some regard, what makes us number one. And I understand that we're born out of the industrial revolution. The reason, uh, another big reason why America is what it is, is because we won the industrial revolution, right? We were, we were the first to industry in a lot of regards, uh, steel industry and, and many others are born out of America and uh, an American innovation. So I think that like this idea of being a blue collar worker, a guy who looks like Brett Favre, who had a tough upbringing and is gritty and grizzled. And, and the irony is like, I believe in all of these virtues, right? When they're virtuous. But now it's just become this level of like arrogance and dismissiveness where alongside all of those virtues comes closed-mindedness comes, uh, you know, bigotry and all this other negativity that gets thrust into a narrow-minded view of the world, uh, a, a very self-centered view of the world where it's like, you know, it's a lot no of people. A lot of people would say that you like missed a word there, though. Racist. Like at least a lot of yeah. Like yeah. A lot I mean, of I said bigot. I, I said bigoted, but yeah, for sure. Like yeah. it, it gets funneled through a lens of a. Here's here's the belief, right? I'm gritty and hardworking. I I bust my ass to be where I'm at today, and it just completely ignores the luck factor, right? Of how much of that is a byproduct of being a white male in a first world nation where we prop that that area up, right? So yeah, I mean it's ignoring like, you know, you take a guy like Shamath, that. Mm is a big byproduct of like what a true American patriot looks like today, right? Like this guy right. is from an immigrant family who came here with, or didn't even come here with nothing. They came to Canada with nothing, right? right? He made something of himself. He's a tech billionaire who's now pursuing altruism and trying to shift uh, the, the technological background into more altruistic motives, right? He's using the wealth that he's accumulated to further good. Like this is what the new generation Patriot needs to be accepted as is multifaceted, versatile, um, multicultural. Like, w I'm sorry, we're just not a Wrangler's ad anymore. We're not the marble man anymore. Industry is fucking dead. We're not building steel mills and railroads and all this other shit that was necessary to get us through the 1900s. We're into the next generation. And in order to progress this country forward, we have to embrace the fact that we're a melting pot and we're getting a lot of the best and brightest from other countries. I'm gonna make the argument of the others of the 
a little bit of the Republican side or, or, or the other side, at least. I don't want to, I don't want to label it. It might not be fair. Um, okay. So you have all these people that are mostly not white, right? I'll say that, that need help. And the left is basically saying, okay, we'll help you because we're going to print an endless amount of dollars until we can prop you up or at least get you by. And the right side is saying you're destroying the U.S. dollar and to help these people that don't even help themselves. And this is creates this like massive war internally. Sure. Um, I'm not versed enough in uh, foreign policy to, to get deep into this. But on a surface level, yes, we have an illegal immigration problem. Or I should say we have an immigration problem as a whole. Um, but to imply that somehow one of our uh, one, one of our political parties is somehow for smaller government than the other is just a farce that's kind of been being misled for 30 years. Um, you know, we didn't balance any budgets with Republicans in office. We didn't reduce any printing or spending in any of really the last five to seven presidencies, right? Like yeah. it's, it's a global wide issue. Um, we've had an economic crisis globally for the better part of 10 years and putting a hyper focus on this small little, uh, issue is missing the forest for the trees. I think, oh boy. <laughs> I think that like, you know, we have to start to attack core problems. Technology is making people rendered useless, specifically in an industrial nation like uh, the United States. And if we don't get better, if we don't start to become top five in education again, if we don't get better at STEM uh, and, and the sciences and things of that nature, we are going to get left behind. And the dollar is going to either hyperinflate or just become not the world currency because other nations are going to put an emphasis on things that matter. You're going to see India or China or, uh, you know, other sovereign nations that are larger than us that have the ability to lean into tech more than we're willing to take over. And that's not a byproduct of us having open borders. You know, that's a byproduct of us not exporting anything other than our fucking military for the last 35 years. What do we send anywhere else? Right? Mm -hmm. Nothing. We, we send companies elsewhere because it's too fucking expensive to operate here in a lot of ways. And you can, yeah. you can, you can say like, Oh, that's a, that's a, a democratic thing. Like they want to come after corporations. They want to hike up corporate tax, yada, yada, yada. It's like, well, okay, sure. How much tax did Amazon pay under the Trump regime? Zero. Right. So it's like, what are we zero. even talking about? Like a trillion dollar industry paying nothing to the federal government that operates in the United States. It's, it's way, way, way more complicated and convoluted than pointing the finger at somebody who doesn't look like you. That's a fact. That's a fact. So I don't know. What the, I don't know, man. A lot of the memes yesterday were I thought we left 2020 behind, and uh, it doesn't seem like the problems are going to stop here. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, man. Uh, obviously, Trump's power influence is massive. It's yeah. probably like it's bigger than I've than any other president I've seen. Like. His what happens when you elect a celebrity in a in a time frame where celebrities value or reach is at an all time high? Yeah, his sway is is huge. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like all things is all jokes aside. Like, this was the most popular election, right? Like, like yep. the record the most, numbers. the most number of people voted. Yeah. Right, right. The most number of people, but it was only as a like. The left only came out as a response, mm -hmm. right? Because they were so afraid that Trump would get reelected, mm -hmm. right? And, and not even the, sorry, not to not to um, correct you, but it, it wasn't even specifically the left; it was the center. It was yeah. it was yeah, the undecideds fair. and the independents. Mm -hmm. Like they came out in droves because right. finally they feel like their their vote matters, and it's not a vote for; it's a vote against. Right. It wasn't a vote for. Right. It wasn't a vote for Biden. It was like, we don't want Trump anymore. Right. right. I don't see Trump going away, though. 
Right. Like I don't see I don't see him like riding off into the sunset and like playing golf the next four years. That's like not what's gonna happen. Like uh, I think he really enjoys that his voice is meaningful, and it is mm-hmm. like whether you want like whether we want to hear it or not. Yep. It, it it matters. It carries a lot of weight. Mm-hmm. So I think we're just gonna see Trump the next four years, man. Like well, he's just going to be part of Twitter. So he's here's a few here's be... a few things that uh, I I don't disagree with you, but I think that it's worth acknowledging that something very profound happened yesterday. And uh, on the backside of this, I'm going to explain like what my fear of this is. But something very profound happened. We may have just witnessed the destruction of a political party. Like we may have just watched the Republican Party get crumbled to its knees. Because politically speaking, uh, this has to have a ripple effect. There just have to be a significant portion of the party that doesn't agree with these tactics and can't back the Trumpian narrative any longer. Um, and that's going to hopefully result in a stronger third party, right? A stronger central party, um, be it libertarian or otherwise. Um, we also probably witnessed the probability of Trump making a run in 2024 uh, get reduced to near zero. I, again, it's the exact same thing, right? There's way too many people on the fringe who just like can't get behind the idea that uh, it's patriotic to overthrow the Capitol building in the in the in the name of your guy that you voted for, right? So those are potential pros, but I think that they come with very significant dangers because I think what we may also have witnessed was the first stone throw in uh, an uprising of a potential civil war, and it's terrifying because even though they may not make up the simple majority. I think that they make up a fair portion of the country in very specific regions, nonetheless. Right. Yeah, so if I mean, you look whole, at the whole whole middle America, right? Yeah. It's just like yeah. If you look at the way middle yeah, America, if you look at the way South. the map, right? If you look at the way the map votes, you know, largely excluding purple states, because I think that that's where you'll see the fringe sway very hard uh, towards anti-violence and uh, right. not having a civil uprising. Um, there's just a lot of rural America that thinks what happened yesterday was a very good event. And that's terrifying because like they're armed and they're prepared. And I don't think the idea of a militia, uh, formulating is, is all that unheard of. And what frightens me is that I don't know how that ends because the fact of the matter is we are the power, most powerful military in the world by 20x and Mm -hmm. we have one of the strongest nationwide police forces that you're gonna like we are one of the most policed nations in the world and we allowed what happened yesterday to happen right be it poor planning or lack of a response we allowed that to happen and my fear becomes like i don't think that we ever want to live into a, a nation where we're turning the military or police on its own but i also don't know what the response would be to a well-organized militia i hope you all enjoyed the solve for why i'm sorry i had to leave you guys with like such a somber note you know i felt like you know berkey kind of and it wasn't i wanted you i want to leave you guys with that kind of thought right it was like a thought-provoking kind of thing you guys can leave it in the comment section what you think of of berkey's thoughts what you think about you know me never leaving, you know, uh, uh, a state that's blue ever again. Uh, all these, all these kind of things, you know. I'm, I'm kind of scared, man. I ain't, I ain't white like Berkey, you know. I know I cut my hair and everything, but I'm still, still Spanish as fuck. So, I hope you all enjoyed it, man. I, I am curious what the next four years is going to be. I'm also curious what develops out of this entire thing, right? Some people were calling for the impeachment of Trump. You know, Bitcoin went ballistic when that happened because people were trying to run away from the United States dollar. And now we have uh, poker companies dictating global policy because that's what we're going to do from now on. Right, Berkey? I'm in, man. Help me out here. I'm in. Berkey, he's a newfound Bitcoin millionaire. He's going to he's going to he's going to be doing policy now. He's moving. No, he's moving. I'm out. Ch- I take it back. I'm him, out. <laughs> him, and Ch- him and Chamath. Are, are you know they're moving into other things now and uh we'll have chamath on soon and berkey and him 
we'll uh, talk about the new plans that they have for 2021. And uh, congratulations, Burke. You know. Uh, on a lighter note, uh, we'll see. Two, you guys. Com- two commas. Two commas is strong. Get the fuck out Dude, of here! I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna call you two comma Berkey. It's all paper, man. It's all. Uh, it's all just on paper. I'm like 99% assets right now. <laughs> like one percent nice. dollars. That's that. That's the difference between you know like the super rich and, and the you know the regular people. You know they all the super rich have assets, Berkey. You have assets. Well, it's by design. I mean, I had mostly dollars a year ago, but the dollar is going drastically down in value and assets are at an all-time high. So, like, I think it's important to do your due diligence and protect yourself. Protect yourself from the worst-case scenarios. But on a lighter note, uh, we are going to be streaming D-Negs and uh, Doug again tomorrow. I believe we may have a guest uh, that's up in the air. Um, We're going to try to do a lot more three-way streams in the future. And uh, we also have a vlog that will be coming out over the next couple of days, uh, recapping our Austin trip. So stay tuned for that. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment below, and uh, show the channel a little bit of love. If Daniel wins 200,000, I am giving away a bunch of subscriptions to the Software Y channel. So root for Daniel. If you don't want to root for Daniel, don't tune into our fucking stream.